Thank you. If you want to know how it's really pronounced in Danish, it's mess. Mess. No, I'm not a mess. No, I hope not. Maybe. Seems like God, God is always messing up my notes. You know, while you try to prepare, and you know, it changes. It goes through a lot of stages just while worship. You know. Often I come to church on Sunday and I have two or three messages with me. You know, you prepare and you do all these things. And the Holy Spirit would just you know, try to, you know, He honors you when you're organized and when you're prepared. But He would always try to get you to lean more towards Him in what you really do. But He wants you to be organized and prepared. Don't just live your life like, oh, God is in control, you know, I'm not going to prepare myself, I'm not going to do anything. You know, God honors you when you're organized. And then He's going to give you some good stuff. You know, if you read the Bible, if you if you have a quiet time, if you prepare, if you have a sermon, or if you do a small group teaching, you prepare it, and then you are open for the Holy Spirit to to change the stuff that you already made. You know, that's that's how you get um, that's how you get um, you know what you teach is the overflow of what God has already shown you. And how is God going to show you? It's by you preparing, studying the Word. So often in your preparation. You learn something the Holy Spirit is teaching to you, but He might change it. What you are going to say today, He might change that while you're there. You've learned something in your preparation, and God shows you something that He'll use another time or in another season. So that's why it's really important that we do prepare, even though the Holy Spirit is in control and intends to change things, just so we we keep on being uh, hooked on Him and. Uh, uh, we need him. Yeah. Sorry. We've been here now for about um, three days, leaving tonight, back to Denmark. Um, and we've had some really good times. And we've also been on the streets. We were in San Diego and the church down there. Thank you. Thank you. I always hate when people put in the microphone, but I just said, you know, this work. Hello. You know, you know, you don't see Rolling Stones do that. You know, anybody here? Anybody can hear me? You know, you can see that. You know, why do we do it in church all the time? You know, can you hear me? You know, I don't know. Okay, let's move on. Uh, no, what was I saying? <laughs> yeah, stories. Yeah, we were, we were uh, in San Diego, had a really good time, and uh, we were also on the streets. And uh, so we've been uh, prophesying, giving words of prophecy and, uh, and encouragement to waitresses and leaders and different places, and also on the streets. We had this one thing where we were on the streets with some of the leaders in the church in San Diego, and we met two, two guys, two young guys, both skaters. And uh, they immediately caught my attention where we were walking. And we went over there. And, and the first guy had a, a, an encouraging word for him. We gave him the word and he received it. I think he, he, he had grown up in a Christian home, so he immediately received it. It was about his destiny and, and what God has for his, had for his life. And he was like, thank you. You know, it was these, it was these cool guys, you know, you know. He was definitely hanging out with the wrong crowd. Yeah, you can tell that just by looking at um, yeah. Uh, and, and, and then this other guy who he was really, you know, standing there, you know, uh, what are they doing? 
And, and um, just when I saw him, after giving the word to the other guy, I got this uh, word of knowledge that his brother was in prison. And, and uh, his brother was in, 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 involved with gangs, and he was in prison. And uh, so I, I, I started asking questions. But when I looked at you, are, you, are your brother, uh, uh, you know, is he in prison? And he's, is he involved in gangs? Yeah, how did he know? I didn't know. God showed me, you know. And it's because God has something He wants to say to you. God wants your attention. And God has something to say to you. And I told him about God's love for him, and that He was at a like a you know where you can either go left or right. You know, you have to choose. You cannot go straight. You have to crossroad. You have to either go left or right. And I said to him, "You're standing right here. You can either go this road, and it'll take you to the same kind of thing as your brother, or you can go this road. You know, follow the know Jesus." follow him because he has a purpose and a plan for you. So, he was really, you know, he was going you know. So, I asked him if we could pray for him. Yeah, yeah, you can pray for me. You know, he wasn't ready to receive Christ yet. But that doesn't matter. As long as you are following an inspiration from the Holy Spirit, somebody else is going to come along some, at some point and help him for the next step. Just trust in God. You don't have to give him the whole gospel. You know, I don't know if you know, I like when, when I eat a sandwich, I like it with a little salt on it. You Americans, you love salt and sugar. I know, I've noticed that. A little salt, you know, just like me. A little salt on there. But imagine that I took a whole, um, what do you say here? You don't say kilo, what do you say? A, a lot of salt on there. You know, take the whole bag. You know. It's not that, uh, delicious anymore, is it? No. You know, the Bible says that we give the gospel is like salt. We should, you know, be light and salt. But if you give them the whole salt, the whole bag, one time, people are going to throw up. You know? If you try to give them, you know, from Genesis to Revelation in one time, you know, I, they're listening now. Let me give them the whole gospel and let me pray the sinner's prayer. And, you know, chances are people are going to throw up right there, you know. If you just give them a little salt, make them curious. Just a quick story. One time, I, when I, um, I was in, in school doing my studies, there was this girl, uh, and I told her I was a Christian, and I, that I became a Christian at about 16, when I was 16. And she wanted to know how I became a Christian, coming out of a totally non-religious family. So I told her the first half of the story, and I said, oh, I don't have time to tell you the rest, but maybe we can do it tomorrow. And she was like, no, come on, tell me the... Ah, don't have the time. I had the time, but I just wanted her to, you know. I had something I had to do, but I could, you know, I could move it. But I thought, ah, let's see how hungry she really is. So they asked, ah, come on, tell me the rest of the story. And I told her the rest of the story. You don't have to give them the... Trust God. God is at work in the hearts of people everywhere around you. The challenge is for you to, to, to have the eyes that can see something's not working in. You don't... Don't get the, the, the uh, how do you call it, machine gun approach. You know, you shoot everything you meet. You know, Americans like guns. Isn't that true? So don't give them the whole, you know, don't shoot everything that moves. Try to, try to listen to the Holy Spirit. Who is, is he leading you to? I've had people that, are, that are, when, when I've said that I'm Christian, they've asked, oh, what is that, you know? And I just had the sense that they weren't ready at all to hear about it. 
So I think, no, you wouldn't want to know. Yeah? People, some Christians think that you have to preach the gospel to every person you meet. The trick is, God says that He gave us the Holy Spirit to help us be a witness. And it's to finding out whom to speak to and what to say. You know? And the Holy Spirit will help you with that. So, that's good. Yeah. Oh, another, another quick story that just shows something about God's heart. We were in, uh, we, me and Daniel, we went down to Venice Beach. That's a weird place, man. I'm telling you. Ooh, that's another planet. Oh, my. Okay, we, we were walking down Venice. And uh, I'm really disturbed about all the things that were happening around us. So, we had a hard time hearing what the Lord was saying. But, ooh, it is okay. So, so we were sitting down at one place, and, and, and then there was this guy playing a guitar. You know, he was playing the guitar, talking to this other guy who was playing a, uh, a trumpet. Not He was doing his best, so God bless him. Uh, so this guy was playing the guitar. I was just looking at him and, and, and having the sense that he wanted to say something. But I had a hard time finding out what, what he wanted. What do you want to say? And then suddenly, you know, the compassion of God came on me. Just like I was almost on the, the verge to, to cry or have tears or whatever you want to say. I just felt the compassion of God for him. So, and the only thing I, I, I got was that he was raised in church and that Jesus still loved Jesus loves you and he has a plan for you. I didn't have anything more. Don't try to get a great word, you know. Sometimes it's the most simple thing that is the most powerful. The most powerful. So I went over to the guy. And, and, and I said, well, I was sitting over here looking at you. And uh, I have something I want to tell you. It better not be about Jesus. He said, yeah, you're right. It is about Jesus. Well, and then he began, you know, tell me all this about how this and that and, uh, you know, you know. And 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 then uh, how how it was the white man's religion and blah 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 this thing and I was just looking at him and I couldn't get my he was just talking 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 you know I said the only thing that I felt to say to you say I don't know about all that I said but I got I, I, when I saw you I felt that you were raised in church so I I, I, I thought that you were raised in church yeah that's right and and then he just wanted to say something he said wait a minute. The only thing I want to say to you is that Jesus, he sees you and he loves you. And you know, this guy, he didn't, re- you know, I, I can't, then I said, oh, thank you. He said, and then he kept on with his message, you know. He was angry. And after, when we left, you know, if you meet resistance, you're, you're kind of, okay. When we left, I, I just felt, wow, that's the heart of God. You know, God knew how this guy was going to react. God knew his heart. God knew probably he was in rebellion towards God. He was in rebellion to how he was raised. And, and, and he was doing all the wrong things in his life, making the wrong decisions. But God saw all that in his heart. He knew how he was going to react towards me. But God still sent a guy from Denmark to come. We, that was the only guy we talked to in Venice. And we had a prophetic word in San Diego. Somebody said, there's an appointment for you from Venice. So we went to Venice. And we talked to this one guy. Just say to him, God loves you. To think that God would send a guy from Denmark all the way to Venice. He's in rebellion. Doesn't want to know God. Hates Christianity. 
He's telling us about Jesus. And God sends me to say, you know, Jesus loves you. That's the heart of God. And if God loves a sinner that much, if God loves a guy in rebellion that much, how much does he love you? On the worst day, how much does God love you? You know, let me tell you one thing. The most important thing in your life is what you think about God. That's the most important thing. How you view God, how, how you see God, how you view God is the single most important thought in your life because it shapes the rest of your life. It shapes the rest of your life. How do you view God? Who is God to you? I'm reminded about the story where, or not the story, but the thing in the Bible where Jesus comes to his disciples and says, Who do people say that I am? And, 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 and you begin to say, ah, oh, some say you are a prophet. Some say you are this and that and blah, 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 you know. And then Jesus asked them this question, who do you say that I am? And Jesus wasn't, Jesus was saying this not because he, he doesn't know who he is. He's not asking for advice, you know. Oh, I'm, I have a personality disturbance. Who am I? You know. It's not, it's not what he's doing, you know. But he's, he's asking to check how is their view? How do they view God? And Jesus is still asking us the same question. Who do you say that I am? And the most powerful thing is that he said, on that revelation, I'm going to build my church. What is that revelation? God is going to build his church through you. And the revelation you have of who God is, it is that revelation God is going to use to further his kingdom through you. How do you view God? It's the single most important thing in life. So if you see a God that is angry, you know, I heard a guy ask this question, is God, uh, is God mostly sad, mad, or glad in your life? How do you view him? Oh, God is so sad with my life. Oh, it's, I'm such a terrible Christian. Oh, God must be sad. He must be crying in heaven. Or, God is mad at me. He's angry. He doesn't like me. One of these days he's going to whack me and I'm going to be, poo, you know, discontinued. You know, or is he glad? Is he smiling over you? Is his favor over you? His unmerited favor. The favor that you have not deserved. You know? The grace you have not deserved. Is, is he smiling over you because of his son Jesus? You know? That's the single most important question in your life. How you view God. That is why... The prophetic, and this time we love the prophetic, is that right? I love the prophetic. I think a lot of you guys love the prophetic, you know, to hear God speak, hear what he's saying, get messages from God. But do you know, the most important part of the prophetic is not for you to have a word to somebody. You know, flash around with word or give a word, a prophecy to the church and stand up here and give a word or whatever. That's not the most important part of the prophetic. But God... My God is releasing the prophetic right now in such a great measure. It's not for us to go around and giving words to each other, though that is a part of it and that is important. But it is for us to, that we can hear him speak about his heart for us. God wants to reveal his heart to the church. The prophetic in this time is mostly going to be about revealing who God is. You know, seeing in heaven the heart of God and then declaring that to people. Who God really is. Because in this time, 
You know, the world is being shaken. You can see that. America is being shaken. The world is being shaken right now in the, in the economy, in the morals, everything. And just to read a scripture here. Isaiah uh, 60, um, verse 2. says, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. You know, it's, it's in God's design that the world is being shaken and that darkness will increase on the earth. It's, it's not going to become more and more light. It's going to become darker and darker in the world. Crime is going to increase. You know, um, uh, immoral is going to increase. All these things is going to uh, increase. Also in the political realm. You know, and, and uh, the church in America has really shaken up by, by a change in the political, most of the church anyway, by what has happened in the political realm where now laws are being passed here in America where um, all kinds of, of uh, liberal thought is going to be, become more and more, you know? So, uh, things that were illegal before is going to become legal. Who knows what's going to happen to marriage and all these things? We have already seen a lot of that in Europe. I live in a country that's very liberal. It pioneered pornography and pioneered uh, prostitution. That has always been there. But pioneered um, abortion. Uh, and, and, and so we're, we're used to living under that. And it's going to increase in earth. This is going to be more and more evident in the world. But the light of God is, is going to become more and more strong in the church. This is the best time to be alive. You know, some of you have been listening to, you know, this end-time messages where it's going to be dark and gloom and, oh, war and, oh, we better go out and buy a lot of guns. And we never know what's going to happen, you know. <laughs> you know, but this is going to be the time of the greatest glory in the church. The light is going to increase in church. The glory is going to increase in church. And the holiness is going to increase in the church in this age. You know, darkness is covering the earth, but on you, God is saying, I will arise and my glory will be seen upon you. As darkness increases, glory and God's light is going to increase upon us. That is God's plan. And for that glory and that light to increase, we're going to have to know who God really is. Who God really is. Because uh, many of us have tried, have tried to be a, you know, I don't know about you, but I, in my Christian walk, have tried to be at uh, conferences and, you know, revival meetings. And, oh, and then when you really, you know, you come up front and you really want to give your life to God again and you're crying. And all kinds of stuff coming out of your nose and your eyes and... You know, I've been try I, I tried that. I've been on the floor, you know, and when I got up again, there was a whole, you know, of mixture of certain things. Let's not get into that. Luckily, I wasn't the one who was going to clean it. That was somebody else's ministry. No. No. I, you know, so, so we've all done that. Oh, Lord, change me, change me, change me, Lord. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. You know, and then two or three weeks... Two or three months, if we're lucky, you know, we're back again. You know, 
attend the next revival meeting or the next conference. Or, oh, Lord, change my life. Oh, Lord. For some it's from Sunday to Sunday. You know? The Lord, change my life. Forgive me, Lord. It's not meant to be like that. Because the thing is, we try harder, you know. Oh, we, you know we take ourselves, you know, and say, okay, now I'm going to try harder. Now I'm going to discipline myself. Now I'm going to, oh, I'm going to really, you know, read the Bible every day. You know, and we try that, and for a short period of time it works, and then we're back to use the normal. God's way of wanting to change our lives is by looking at who He is and being changed by what we see. Okay? Look at me in um, Colossians. And there's different scriptures that has the same the same principle. I shared another one the other day from Gary and Karen's Here's the same principle, just another scripture. And let's just take it from um, chapter 3, verse 1, where it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated, and at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, your life, appears, then also will appear with him, and you also will appear with him in glory. The word here that says appears in some translations, and if you go back to the Greek, it's actually revealed. When Christ is revealed, you will be revealed also. What does that mean? That means when you get a revelation of God, when you get a revelation of one character of God, of one thing in God's heart, you will be also transformed and, be, and this character of God will be revealed through you. So you get what you see is what you become. You know? What you look at is what you become. When you look at God, when you look at His glory, when you look at who He is, His character, you are being transformed. You are in the process of being transformed to becoming like Him. So it's not about trying harder or uh, having this kind of... Um, uh, self, uh, you know, leading approach to holiness. It's about looking at God, seeing who He is, spending time looking at who God is, and being transformed by what you see. You know? So it is, the thing is to put aside a little time to spend with the Lord. Not in a religious way, but it's by spending time with Him in prayer, meditating. You could be on the couch with a pillow in your neck. Half an hour on the sofa, read the scripture, thinking about God's goodness. Try this for three months and you'll see results. No? I really mean it. Try it. Find the character inside of God. Look at it. Meditate on it. Meditate on scripture about it. You will see a transformation begin to take place in your life. You know, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says God. It also says in the Bible that He has given us everything, you know, we need to become like Him. Okay? So, 
You know, one thing I also, it also struck me one time was, you know, somebody, uh, it's just some years ago, but somebody gave me this scripture, you know, from, from uh, Joshua. This is just an example. Joshua. This is a new Bible, so every page sticks together. Chapter 1, verse 9, very famous scripture. Somebody gave me this scripture once. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you uh, wherever you go. And you know, you can read this and think it's God's good advice for you. Yeah, that's right. I shouldn't be afraid. I should be courageous. I should be strong. You know, it's good advice. Or if you be command, you better be courageous. You better be strong or else I'm going to strike you down. You know, oh God, I'm not strong enough. Oh God, I'm not courageous enough. You know, oh. You know, the Bible says that God created the world. When he spoke, he created it. When he said, let it be light, light came into, into the darkness. Same thing with everything in the Bible. It's like a promise. When God says, be courageous, be strong, he's creating, you know, courage in you. He's creating strength in you. When God speaks, it becomes, you know, it's, it's being created. God says, be courageous and be strong. He's creating within me courage. He's giving me strength. Every scripture you read, be holy because I'm holy. It can be a condemning scripture. You know, be holy as I'm holy. Oh, Lord. Or it can be a promise. Be holy as I am holy. I'm going to make you holy. I'm going to create it in you. You can take that scripture and you begin to declare it over your life. Be holy because I'm holy. God has promised me He's going to create holiness within me. He's going to create a character like Christ within me. I have the mind of Christ. You know, I have the character of Christ. You know, the divine nature is within me. You know, you can read the Bible one way or you can read the Bible the other way. You can read the Bible religiously or you can read it like a promise book from God. Do you know that the biggest problem with religion, and there's lots of religion in church, seven steps to this, three steps to this, you know, you've read the books, 12 steps to this. I even heard about a book that was 150 steps, or 150 principles. What's that? 153 principles. I lose my breath just by thinking about it, you know. I have a hard time when a preacher has a three-step sermon, you know. You know? So, it's it really good in a sermon. When it comes to real life, it's really hard with three steps and seven points and seven habits. So, you know? It fits really good if you're doing a talk or a, you know, whatever. But when it comes to real life, it's all kinds of variables. All kinds of things can happen. And it's hard to get a life to fit into a three-step sermon. You know, just like it's the Holy Spirit. It's more liquid. A little more, you know. Religion. Religion is when we try to become something, or do something for God without the cross or the blood of Jesus. 
every time we try to earn or deserve anything with God. And you know, we do that often. Fasting three months, oh, probably a little, lot, a little too much, you probably do that one, but... Ah. No fasting. Oh, I'm going to fast now because then God is really going to give me a breakthrough. No, you know when He gave you the breakthrough? When Jesus died on the cross. That's the breakthrough. You don't fast to get a breakthrough. You don't fast to get anything. If you fast, you fast as an offering. You fast as a worship. You fast and maybe you get a little more time to spend with God instead of at the table. Fasting doesn't buy you anything with God. And definitely not forgiveness. God's work was complete on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, it was completed. Everything you need was given to you on the cross, nowhere else. God is calling the church back to the cross, back to the blood of Jesus, back to that message. So Paul said, I'm, when I came to you, I didn't want to uh, translate anything but the cross. I only preached the cross. I only pointed to the cross. I came to you in weakness, showing you the cross. Not a three-step program, a seven-step program. The cross. And we should be careful in, you know, I love the supernatural. I love it. I love everything with the supernatural. But sometimes we should be careful that we don't create a mystical 17-step uh, program towards anything. It's by coming to Christ at His cross. There you have the breakthrough. There you have everything. It's in Him. And I'm thinking about uh, Ephesians, chapter 1. I'm just going to read some of it, I think. Ephesians. Ephesians 1. I love Ephesians. It's a great letter. You know, Ephesians was written by Paul when, um, at the end of his life, late in his life. And it was not a response to anything in the church. A lot of the, the, the other letters are a response either to sin in the church or difficult circumstances. Ephesians was not a response to anything. It was just Paul's teaching. Kind of like in, his, in, the, in the latter days of his ministry, he used to write what he thought was important for the church. I love Ephesians. Just chapter 1 and 2. Yeah, every chapter. It's wonderful. Excellent. You know? And, and here is his teaching. You know, let me just take some of it. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heaven places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption as his sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us 
in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mysteries of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to his counsel of his will. Awesome. This is just awesome. Just to think that in Christ we have been given um, all, the, all the blessings in heavenly places. You know? You know, the premise here, the premise here is in Christ. If you read this, it's in Christ. God has placed us in Christ. When you gave your life to Jesus, you were placed in Christ. And in that place, you have all spiritual blessings in the heavens. You know? In Christ. When you gave your life to Jesus, at that moment, you got everything. You're not obtaining everything. You're not... Now, working to us, you, you got the whole package inside of you, in your, in your spirit. The Holy Spirit came into you. Light came into you. And it's there. It's just getting it. You know. You know. You know, keep being revealed, and then we, we're revealed also. All blessings in the heavenlies. For instance, in verse 4, it says, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. When you were put in Christ, you were made holy and blameless before Him. There's no more guilt. There's no more blame in Christ. If you are in Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus, and you've been placed in Christ, there's no more guilt and no more blame over you. You can stand in front of the Father, not with a bowed head, but you can stand with your head up. You can look God in the eye because He's given you a place of no blame. He's given you a place of holiness. The Bible says that because of His offering on the cross, because of His offering, He did once and for all, I am forever made perfect in God's eyes. I can look God in the eye and know that He sees me perfect in Christ. That's the premise. In Christ. Blameless, holy. In verse 4, it also says in the Danish, it says, without any um, wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. You haven't done anything wrong in Christ. You're without guilt and without blame. It also says that it was done in love. Okay? In verse 4. So when you were put in Christ, you were placed in love. What does that mean? The Father loves you. 100%. I am in Christ. I'm loved. 100% on my best day and on my worst day. You know? In me doing good and in me making a mistake, I'm loved 100% because I am in Christ. What the enemy often does is he comes to us and he tries to tell us Ah, you're not loved. God, God, God is blaming you. You know, God is. God doesn't really like you. You're placed in love. All of us could answer a theo- theological test correctly. Does God love you? Yeah. But what does your God say? 
Do you ever doubt that God really loves you? That He really, really, really loves you? That He cares for you even on your worst day? That He accepts you in Christ? That you've been placed in Christ and therefore you are perfect in His eyes? You are loved. You are without blame. It's so important in these days to be totally grounded and rooted in these things. If you're not the enemy is going to push you over. You are never going to come into the fullness of the purpose God has placed in you. God has put a purpose in your life. God has put a, 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 a mission on you. You have to become courageous and you have to become up without fear. The only way you can become that is not by being, doing the same steps. It's by being rooted and grounded in God's love, being rooted and grounded in your identity in Christ. And knowing that, okay, God, I messed up. I'm sorry. But I'm keeping on going. I'm keeping on going. Because I'm in Christ. Then you're dangerous for the enemy. Then you're not put out in four months trying to get over your good self or your bad self or whatever. You know? You keep on going. Verse 5, let me just take verse, verse 5 as well. It says, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of evil. Let me just, let me just say something about predestination. Because there's a theology out there that's from the pit of hell. Some are predestined, some are not predestined. I put some fear on people. I know my God. The Bible says that God does not want anyone to perish. God is working for every person on the planet Earth to be saved. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus died and paid the price for all sin. That includes everybody out here. The most gross sin, Jesus has already paid for on the cross. That's how liberal the cross is. Everybody is forgiven. Everybody has not received it yet. What are you saying? Is everybody going to heaven? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that everybody is forgiven. Not everybody has received it. That's how liberal the love of God is. Predestination. When are you predestined? When you are in Christ. In Christ, I'm predestined. So when I receive Jesus, when I say, okay, Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord, be my Savior, I was predestined because Jesus is predestined. None of us are predestined in ourselves. None of us. In Christ, as a gift of God, you can become predestined. I'm predestined because of Jesus. He says, I have become adopted by God. I'm a child of God. You know, the Bible says that creation yearns and longs for the children of God to be revealed. The creation is longing for you and me to step into our full sonship. Knowing who we really are. There's enough in here to change Santa Monica. As a matter of fact, there's enough in here to change the world. Twelve people. Twelve people. Twelve apostles. They got it. They transformed the world. You know? If we get it, if we step into our sonship, if we, if we, if we see who we really are in Christ, you know, nothing is impossible. That's what Jesus said. Nothing is impossible. 
Now who can believe? Believe in what? Believe in what God has done for them. In verse 7, it also says that in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. We have redemption. In Christ we have redemption from every kind of addiction. Every kind of addiction. Every kind of hidden sin. Everything. In Christ you have redemption. You can claim that redemption. Lord Jesus, you have redeemed me. I am redeemed. Show me, Lord. Show me the power of your blood. Reveal it to me. Reveal what you have bought for me. And you'll see chains fall off you. And people around you. Forgiveness. Total forgiveness. In Romans, it says, and it's quoted in the Old Testament, it's quoted in the Psalm, it says, I don't know how it says in English, either blessed or happy or whatever, is the man who has been forgiven. And it ends up by saying, and whom the Lord no, no, no longer makes an account for his sins. God is no longer writing down. I'm sorry to say, this is grace. You know? Ah, there must be something. God must be keeping a record. The Bible says that God is not keeping a record. Blessed is the man who is forgiven and whom the Lord no longer holds an account for his sins. That's how radical grace is. And let me tell you one thing. How do you become holy? By knowing this. Holiness flows out of forgiveness and the goodness of God. Holiness flows out of this message. Because the Bible says, you know, there's scripture that says that if we confess our sin, he's faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know that scripture? Just beneath that scripture is a scripture that says, I'm writing this to you, beloved, so that you will not sin. What does that mean? That the message of radical forgiveness cleans us up. It helps us to not sin. It's not the message of law. It's not the message of a Christian to do and not to do. And, and I'm going to tell you, in this last phase, we're going to see one part of the church go more and more into legalism. And we're going to see another part of the church preaching radical goodness of God, radical grace of God, radical love of God. And in that church, you're going to see happy holiness. You're going to see happy followers of Christ. Living radically holy, not because they are in law, but because they know they're free. You know? The Bible says that the law empowers sin. If you live under law, sin will be flourishing in your life. If you live under grace, you don't even think about it. And the less you think about it, the less it's in your life. You know? The more you try to not do it. Have you ever tried to ride a bicycle? But I remember. No, I remember when I took my driver's license. My, the, the 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 lady who was teaching me. She said, "Mess, don't look at. Um, you, know, you shouldn't be looking at things out on the side of the street because you begin slowly to exhaust them. You know that. If you try to learn to ride, ride a bicycle, if you look at a tree, you slowly begin to go towards the tree, and it, you know, and you'll you'll go you'll go into the tree. You know." What you look at, you fo- what you focus on, 
You, you steer towards, you become, if you focus, oh, not sin, not sin, not sin, not sin. What do you think you're going to end up doing, man? No, if you think about, ah, oh, praise Jesus, I love Jesus, hallelujah. God is just so good, you know. And if you make a mistake, you get on up and you, oh, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. You know, you don't go around confessing the same sin 20 years. You know, then there's something wrong with your theology. You're religious, come on out of religion. It's important for us to know who we are in Christ and what we have been given. That's the coming, re- the coming revival. It's already, you know, going on in God's roots. In God's roots. It's about the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, and us being rooted and grounded in that revelation. And that transforms us. And then we become radically lovers of Jesus radically love us as people around and we're going to see them come into the kingdom because they need them. People are in gross sin out there. They need forgiveness. They don't need condemnation. I hate this approach to evangelism. Is go and tell the people the Ten Commandments. Tell them about what Jesus did on the cross and what plans he has for them and what, how he loves them. I'm, you know, you, you talk to people, you find out that they know that there's something wrong in their life. And let me tell you one other thing. The Holy, it says the Holy Spirit came to, you know, show us our sin. I don't you know, remember it in English. But there he comes to convict us. You know? It's not your job. You're stepping into a territory that is not yours. You try to convict your son and your daughter. People around you. You're stepping into a wrong territory. You're off. That's not your territory. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Once in a while you could get a word of knowledge, but it's very seldom. And it will always be in a package of grace. You know, this is in your life. But you know, God will set you free. God can heal you up. And God can give you a new life. You know, that's always the message of the gospel. I'm just end up with this thing. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, when I just got saved, I always felt that Paul was so hard, you know, because I was always, when I started in the ministry, I was always preaching from the last chapters of the letters of Paul, you know, where he always gives the, you know, he's saying, do this and don't do this and all this, you know, but I was forgetting all the, the theology of Paul, it was because I was a little evangelistic and it's really good, you know, to have the black and white, come on, depend or go to hell, you know. And it's pretty easy getting Christians to, you know, repent. You, I could do a message here and we would all be up here and, you know. No, it doesn't take anointing. It doesn't. Just press the right buttons and you'll see. It doesn't take anointing. No, Paul was the most radical preacher on grace. So radical that they were saying, so what are you saying? Should we just go out and sin? And Paul had to say, of course I'm not saying that. Why go back into sin when Jesus has broken the lordship of sin in your life? But if you sin, God is true and he's just and wants to forgive you and cleanse you, give you a new life. He was so radical in grace that the Jews saw him as unclean. He's one that has left the religious. You know, because he was a radical minister of grace. 
And we're called to be the same as a church in the world that's dying in sin. Our job is to clean them up with the grace of God because that's the only thing that can clean people up. Yeah. Can we pray together? To stand up. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for your grace. Thank you that you have placed us in Christ. Thank you that right now we are standing in Christ. Thank you that we are complete in your eyes. Thank you that we are. You look at us, you see a person you love. You look at us and you see a person that you love so much that you came and gave your life for us. Lord Jesus, thank you that we will have that you will give us a revelation of your love. Lord, I ask for a radical revelation of grace. Lord, I ask for a radical revelation of your love. Lord, I ask for a radical revelation of your Father heart in this place. Lord Jesus, thank you that it will transform lives. It will transform families. It will transform communities in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, make us radical ministers of grace. Make us radical ministers of goodness. Lord, transform us. Lord, forgive us when we've been religious. Forgive us when we've tried to deserve anything, when we've tried to buy anything from you. Lord, lead us back to the cross. Lead us back to the blood of Jesus. Lead us back to your redemption, what you've got for us on the cross. Reveal it to us. Lord, we know that the most important thing is to know who you are. God, reveal to us an image of you. If it's your goodness, if it's your grace, if it's your forgiveness, whatever. Reveal it to us, Lord. Give us, each and every one of us, a revelation. From there, you will build your church. Lord, we love your goodness. Lord, we love your goodness. We love your heart for us. Lord, we are your children. You love your children. You love your children. You love your children. Thank you, Jesus. You love your children. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.